You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Oh, was it Janine? What were you doing there? Janine there. That's right. I'll figure it out later. All right. So you've got Bibles. Turn to, if you can, with me. Turn to Malachi 1. We're going to recap a little bit of Malachi, of course. It's a Christmas pre-sermon, uh, pre so of course we'd go to Malachi. So, um, of course, that's what everyone does when they're going to pre-Christmas. They go to an Old Testament prophet. But it is, although it is a funny thing to do before Christmas, it is the prophet, it is the last book 400 years before the baby. So we've called this the book before the baby. Malachi 1, 6. If you've got your Bibles, phones, let's have a read. And what Malachi has to say to the people two and a half thousand years ago. A son honours his father and a slave his master. And this is a conversation God is having with his people. It's like a courtroom and the people are replying to God. And there's this little conversation that takes place. That's what the book of Malachi is. We started last week. We continue. So this is God. A son honours his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honour due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is your priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? But offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals as sacrifices, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one would shut the temple door so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I love that line. Do you know what? Your worship, your sacrifice is like that half-hearted. We might as well just shut the temple door, not even bother lighting the candle today. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I'll accept no offering from, where you're, from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible, and you say, what a burden, and you sniff at its contemporary, <laughs> I can't even say that word, contemporosity, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an ex- acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it and then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am the great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations." And now you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessing. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not resolved to honour me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices. I need you to hear what was just said in the word of God right then because it is very human and these are humans talking to each other, and probably I read it when I was doing study this week, and 
didn't realize this was in the Bible. He is talking to priests, the prophets, and he says if they continue to, to offer these half-hearted, uh, these drama, they're all saying, oh, this is such a weary, this is such a burden. He says this, I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices and you'll be carried off with it. Um, you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was him and a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned away from sin. For the lips of the priests ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instructions from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be, to be despised and humiliated before all people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Big chunk. I understand that next four weeks going through the whole book of this Old Testament prophetic writing. Um, super important. I know sometimes it's a little dry without the context. It can be hard, but it's super important to read the Word of God in this way sometimes, to spend some time looking at the full picture. Uh, last week I spoke about the full picture. Last week I spoke, kind of gave a lesson on, because we don't want to just come here and hear the Bible. We want to actually know how to go home and read the Bible and how to use the Bible. And last week I spoke about how important context was with the Bible. And I actually didn't, wasn't really happy with that part of the sermon when I got home and reflected. I was like, didn't feel like I nailed that bit. And then I went online and I saw the perfect example. I felt the perfect example of a verse taken out of context. So let me just show you this for one moment. There's a line floating around on Facebook at the moment. And I'll quickly read it. It's Jeremiah 10. And it says this. Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heaven, because the nations are dismayed at them. For their custom of the people are vanity. Listen to this. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with by an axe by the hands of craftsmen and decorated with silver and gold and fastened with a hammer and nail so it cannot move. Anyone want to guess what that sounds like? A tree that's cut down and then put gold and silver around it and nailed in place in their homes. Yeah, Christmas tree. You're not wrong. I can see how... I think it's too obvious it's a Christmas tree, but if I'm wrong, I'll be embarrassed. No, it's a Christmas tree. And so online at the moment, every year, Christmas approaches and we have some brothers and sisters that jump on there and start anti-Christmas tree campaigns. Because of this passage, no Christmas tree, it's evil. Look, it says in the Bible, don't put up a Christmas tree. As soon as I saw it, I thought, perfect example of context given. It might be talking about a Christmas tree. It actually talks about winter solace, which is, Christmas is derived. So it might actually be talking about a Christmas tree this morning, except the context of the very next line says this. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither it is in them to do good. One more line over, a bit of context to that story, and all of a sudden, God isn't banding trees in your house or scarecrows in your field. Simply saying, don't worship dead things when you have a living God. Don't worship statues, scarecrows, 
trees. So unless you're offering sacrifices to your Christmas tree this Christmas, unless you're worshipping to it, don't. That's very clear in the Bible. But given a context, Jeremiah doesn't mind if you have a Christmas tree in your house to decorate. Uh, it's, do you understand context is important? This is why I wanted to talk about that last week and open with that this morning. Because if we don't see the full picture, then we use the Bible sometimes as a weapon in the wrong way. And we just take chunks. And then the world can use the Bible in the same way against us without context. And so last week we looked at the context of Malachi, which is super important. Because if you just look at Malachi and you see animal dung, you see priests getting in trouble, you see all this stuff, it doesn't make sense unless you understand what God is saying, what is the big picture of that book. And last week we looked at the fact, and if you weren't here, I encourage you to go have a listen on the podcast or get a CD just to understand the book as we study it. But the context of this is a prophet The last prophet of the Old Testament has come to the people and said, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God's doing something amazing. Look at everything he has done for you. Don't miss out. Something's coming. Not only that, but you've got a land at that point. You've got the temple rebuilt at that point. You've got the promised land. You're back in your home. You're being released from uh, your descendants or your ancestors, sorry, being released from Egypt and Babylon. Seriously, guys, I love you. Don't miss out. And they do. 400 years later, the baby comes and barely anyone knows. They completely, Jesus walks amongst them and they kill him. God is saying, I have so much for you, don't miss out. That is the context of the whole book of Malachi, that he loves you. I had this picture up last week, just so you'd kind of get a visual for this, if if that's there, Janine. There we go. We're all disciples and slaves of something. Jesus is saying to his people, you can follow that path if you want. It ends in destruction. Or you can be set free from the ways of this world. Both in Malachi, he's saying something's coming and he's saying to us today, something came, something's coming again. You can be a part of it. You can be a disciple of Jesus. It's the choice we have before us. God has so much. He wants to move in you. He wants to grow you. He wants to transform you. And he wants to grow this church. He doesn't want us to grow weary, distracted, or miss out what he has for us today, tomorrow morning, and eternally. And so we're asking the question this series, how do we not miss out? How do we reflect on the year of 2018, think about what we could have done better, what we were happy with, what God was saying, and how do we go strong into 2019, not miss the baby, not miss what Jesus is going to do in us next year? And so the first point of how do we not miss out was covered last week, and it's know God's heart for you. No, understand firstly that you're loved and everything is a response. Everything else is in context of that. And the second thing that it asks us to do in the passage we just read is worship him. And that's what we're going to just explore for a moment this morning. Worshipping him. Under the Old Testament covenant, God had made a promise to man and his family to stir in them and make descendants. That's what he had given the Israelites, the family, God's people, to be called apart, to be holy, to be holy, sorry, set apart. 
and they had multiple rituals that they would do. The big one, the main one, was sacrificing animals. Uh, the, uh, the way of offering something good and important to them, to God. And there are actually multiple reasons that God asked them to do that. Here are a few. It, rep- it was a life given for death, uh, for death that humankind had caused. Adam broke the connection with God. And so he said, because you're resulting in death, death may pay, must pay. And so they would almost pay for their, well, they would pay for their sins, sacrifice something to God to reconcile them back to him. That was the first thing that he spoke about. The second was it was a throwback to the lamb's blood that marked their houses when they got freed from Egypt. So not only was it a sacrifice for sin, it was also, this is a sign to all other nations that by the blood of the lamb, you are mine, you're my people. And the third thing, it was also a sacred ritual that marked these people. So God wanted a chosen people and so he gave them habits, predictable patterns, things to do that marked them as his people, as his nation. And as a bonus, and we actually see the heart of this, was ultimately it was incredibly transformative. God said to his people, do this ritual, give something precious up to me, and it'll actually move your heart towards me. It moves the whole community, what's meant to move the whole community's heart towards God. Jesus says it. Jesus clarifies this later on when he talks about money. He says, where your treasure is, when you give something up, your heart will go towards that. When you give something up, your heart will go towards that. A people sacrificing the first crop or breed or animal would have a cost. It would remind them of God's love, forgiveness, that he wants to give them a community, and it lifted, oh, sorry. it lifted God high. It actually didn't make God any more special. God was already special. God was already God. And let's be honest, he didn't need to eat that. He didn't need that to survive. He was already God. But their minds and hearts were transformed through that, ultimately became a community towards God. To confirm this, in Psalms 51, 16, 17, it says things like this. For you will not, and David is talking about how God is not accepting his sacrifice anymore. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. This is David saying to God because he knows he's done something wrong. The sacrifice of God a broken, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David's saying, you know my heart, God, so even if I go to the temple today and give a sacrifice, you know, in here, doesn't matter if it looks good, I'm not with you, I'm not there, I'm half-hearted. That was after David made a ton of mistakes as king and knew that his heart was not in the right place. And Isaiah 29, 13, 16, it says, And the Lord said, Because of this people draw near with their mouth and honour me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. Again, God saying, look, it's about the sacrifice, but it's so not just about the sacrifice. Underneath, I want your heart. I want you to draw closer to me. I want you to become more like me. The people of Malachi's time had done the exact opposite to this. They'd become apathetic. 
they become weary. They'd shout, what a burden. What weariness is this? I don't know if they actually said that or what today's version of that is. I can't be bothered. Oh, really? But they'd forgotten what God had given to them and they'd forgotten to give God their best. And so they'd offered God's second best. And so they'd give it like, they'd look at their lambs and look at the runt one, the one that was limping a bit, and go, okay, well, that one I won't get much money for. I'll give that to God. Kind of hide the most healthiest. Look at their crop. See one, that, a bit of corner of it, it's a bit dead. God will love that. <laughs> He'll be fine. He doesn't need it. And so they became half-hearted. They became apathetic to God. And they totally missed out on what he was doing in their time. Despised my name, God says, polluted my altar. And it becomes a dangerous cycle to give out of a half heart um, because it starts transforming you even more. In fact, thousands of years later, science actually confirms this. Who knows? There's like, who would think science actually confirms the Bible all the time? Now, neuroscientists will tell us that we actually forge neuropathways and that the more we use those pathways, the stronger they are. So we, it, it's prone to addiction, habits. But science, scientists would confirm today that giving your best to God or something is going to draw you closer to that. You're going to think about it more. I just got a new car recently, Mitsubishi ASX, and now it feels like everybody in the Gold Coast has a Mitsubishi ASX because I notice it. My mind is drawn to that. And it seems they all have the same colour. Everybody. Everybody. I didn't notice it before. It just seemed on that day that everybody got the same car as me. But your mind confirms this. Science confirms this, that um, you become your family, your tribe, your community. Start leading that way. It's transformative. And it's transformative if you're half-hearted. If it doesn't cost, it doesn't transform or change your life. And we risk missing out on what God is doing. And then it gets worse. And I only spent a moment on this, but it gets worse because he speaks to the, the people that have to lead the family. He says, not only is it the people of God giving half-hearted sacrifices, but it's um, the priests, the pastors, the, the leadership. Those leading the community are endorsing this. They've added or subtracted from my sacrifice. They've forgotten the way, he says, that God had given the ancestors. And yes, just to confirm that, the prophet, the prophet of the holy God confirms and says to the priests or pastors, if you're going to lead half-heartedly your people, I'd rather rub your face in animal dung. So it's in there. Put, try putting that on a Christmas card and wait for them to get home and read. Oh, they read, oh, that's lovely. wonder what Malachi says. I'll rub your face in dung. So don't do that on a Christmas card, actually. That's a horrible idea. But a group of people, um, <laughs> these leaders are running on tradition. They're running through the motions, forgetting the transformation, restorative power of what God has asked them. And like I said, within 400 years, these leaders were either too extreme, putting too much tradition on people, completely forgetting God's heart, or they'd become wishy-washy and Rome had occupied the land by then and they'd forgotten who they were, the kingdom, and they'd forgotten basically the kingdom and the king is coming and they missed out. So what can we do today to make sure we don't miss out? What is the reflection for us this morning? Well, firstly, we don't need to sacrifice lambs, hallelujah. 
We don't need to do that anymore. As Jesus fulfilled the system, he was the Lamb of God. He came and gave the ultimate sacrifice, freeing us from the guilt and brokenness and disconnection and making it even easier to be his people. And so we don't sacrifice anymore to earn his love or favour. We respond to his sacrifice in worship. Side note, worship. When I talk about worship for just a brief moment as I finish up this morning, worship is not the first 15 minutes of the church service. I loved the first 15 minutes of the church service this morning. It was a powerful time, but that is not worship. Holistically, not just worship. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we need to sing when we meet and nowhere does it say, articulate, if it needs to be hymns or contemporary songs. Nowhere. It does talk about music as a powerful tool, poems, grief, celebration, unity. It talks about music in that way. But just to be super clear, in terms of priority, worship is not just our favourite songs sung. It's great. It's not the full picture of worship. In fact, I love this definition for what worship is. Biblical worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to who God is and what he has done. Let me read that one more time. It's, I reckon it's super powerful. If there's nothing else you've written down today, I love this idea. Biblical worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to who God is and what he has done. Yes, part of that is singing. But part of that is also Monday morning, the time we love our colleagues and show them God's love, the time we spend in God in quiet this week, the moment we spent, yes, praying to God. It's also the way we treat someone who we don't like. It's also doing something we don't like or annoys us. It's looking after the poor, the elderly. It's sacrifice. It's restricting ourselves to make God a priority. The idea of attending church on a Sunday is so foreign every week. It's so weird to the rest of the world. It's a form of worship. Even if for some of our families, I fully get this, some of our families, Sunday is literally just chasing after their kids and barely just getting a glimpse of the message and maybe drinking half a cup of coffee. But it's the posture of giving up Sunday morning for God. It's worship. It's holding God's way higher, not out of guilt, but because he loves us more, because he loves us, and it's a response. So what does this have to do with missing out? Well, simply, like the people of Malachi and the transformative natures of their sacrifice, what we worship, we become. What we worship, we too move towards. What we hold high, we move towards. We become. We transform into. Malachi shows the mirror to society, and this is a great question, kind of a great question to finish off this morning. Malachi says this, he calls out the people who are offering better sacrifices to the governors, to their masters, and he compares it to the broken lambs they're offering him. You see, Malachi's people were worshipping, just not God. They were worshipping wholeheartedly their masters. They were worshipping wholeheartedly their governors. And they were being transformed into that way. And sure enough, 400 years later, they have the biggest government. The Roman government's taken over. They're led that way. It's a fantastic reflection for us this morning. 
what are we worshipping? What are we making sacrifices for? As we look at 2018, what took up our time? What do we give up things for? What does our time go towards? If we look at our calendar, what does our time, what's our priority? What is our thought life captured by? What are we thinking about the most? What takes up our mind space? What gets the best of you? And therefore God gets the seconds. What gets the best of you? And therefore God gets the seconds. We all know the vices, but it's worth thinking about. Fame, popularness, popularity, (laughs) fitness, career, they're all easy ones to, to, to slide into. It's good to think about 2018 and reflect on how much time you spent possibly worshipping these things, letting them shape you, giving up time. Honestly, if you spend more time on your phone, and this is to me, by the way, if you spend more time on your phone or going to Google for the answers rather than for a moment considering that God might have the answers, not a judgment because it's exactly what I do more often than not. Does that mean I worship the system, people's opinions, or Google higher than my God? Worth thinking about as we head towards this baby in Christmas, as we head towards the new year. I'm just looking at the time, so I'm going to condense some of this this morning, and then we, we will still finish with a song. So if I, oh, no, we won't. Sorry, guys, is that all right, team? I actually wrote two things down this morning as I finish off that I felt for each service was possibly the God that I see our culture worship. And so for the 8.30, I wrote freedom and options. Uh, Ironically, it's almost the exact opposite for the 9.45. It's 9.45's tradition. I reckon 8.30, I had this sense that it's freedom and options that we just worship the idea of freedom and options, that we cannot commit our generation. We, we, the idea of locking ourselves in. If someone came up to you and said, I've got this plan happening next year, this time, on a Friday night, at six o'clock, I can be one of the worst things you could say to someone of my generation. Like, oh man, imagine all the things in between now and then that could pop up. It's why Facebook has a maybe button. Because we just can't say yes or no. We want options. We want freedom. I reckon that's the God I see in our generation. That the idea of committing to something when it's hard, the idea of sacrificing something when everything is so easy for us. And like I said, the natural thing that happens when we worship something, we become more like that. And so what has freedom given us? I'm not talking about true freedom. I'm talking about the illusion of freedom. I'm talking about the freedom when I was there Saturday morning buying an outdoor couch and I saw the fruit of that freedom as I saw about 30, 40 people outside of Audi try to literally knock each other over to get an outdoor couch and I thought, I was there so I'm talking about this, I'm like, this is the fruit of that freedom. It's this anxiety, it's this depression, it's this worry that we'll miss out, that we won't have everything. That the outdoor setting at Audi that's going Saturday morning is one time only that I'll need to knock a fellow man over with my trolley. That I'll need to put my hand on it and say, got it! Harvey, get over here! 
It's a joke, but it, seriously, the fruit of this worship that we're just, and if we don't get that, the whole world falls apart. That's the fruit of that. Depression, a society riddled with anxiety about missing out. Can I just invite us? I'm going to pray, it's 9.30, but can I just invite us, church, to consider what you may have been unintentionally worshipping 2018. And if it was freedom, let me encourage you as a response to God's love to push back on that. To make some time in your phone for God, to schedule time with other people to love them. It'll go against every fibre of the culture's message. To commit, when someone says, we heard Miriam testify that just driving up to Brisbane, getting work off, both two things that our culture don't want to do, drive to Brisbane in traffic and get work off, but went to a funeral of a stranger and that lady's now going through Christian Explained Alpha with her in her home. Can I encourage us to give up the freedom to sacrifice that and in 2009 ask God, how can we worship him more fully so that we don't miss out? on the true freedom he has for us. Let's pray and we'll head out and have a, um, have a coffee or tea. Father God, thank you so much that firstly, you love us. Firstly, we don't have to earn anything. You have given us everything, Lord, and you offer us true freedom in you. Father, as a generation that is known for their maybe button, Lord, I just pray that we can be a people, a family of God, that do a little bit more commitment maybe lock in a little bit more sacrifice a little bit more not to earn your love but because of we don't want to miss out because of what you're doing today because of your freedom your power your love go with us this week in jesus christ's name amen